Section 8 of The Rover, Volume 1, Number 25. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rover, Volume 1, Number 25, edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Labrie. Section 8. Isolated Affection by W. G. Sims. True love, still born of heaven, is blessed with wings, and tired of earth it plumes them back again, and thus we lose it. Deep in the bosom of a southern forest there grew a beautiful flower, the sweetest flower in that lonely region. Its leaves were of the purest white, for the first time unfolding to the world around, and revealing, as they did so, the fine and delicate droppings of violet and purple, which before, like so much hidden wealth, had lain in its bosom. Its odor was fresh and exquisite, and no flower in all that forest could come near it for sweetness or for beauty. In excellence, as in condition, it was equally alone." But it was not destined to be alone always. There came to it one morning in May a golden butterfly, a rover among the flowers, an ancient robber of their sweets. Gaily he plied his flight throughout the forest, now here and now there, sporting about in a sort of errant unconsciousness. It was not long before he inhaled the odor. It was not long before he saw the pure white leaves and looked down with an anxious eye upon the rich droppings of purple and violet which nestled in the bosom of the flower. Flying around in mazy but still contracting circles, he gazed upon the loveliness of the flower and grew more and more enamored at each moment of his survey. Surely, he thought, this is a flower by itself, love's own flower, dwelling in secret, blooming only in budding for his eyes, and denied to all beside. It is my good fortune to have found it. I will drink. I will nestle in its bosom. I will enjoy its charms, as I have enjoyed a thousand others. Even with the thought came the quick resolution, and another moment found him lying, lying close and pressed upon the bosom of the flower. There was a slight effort to escape from the embraces of the intruder. The flower murmured its dissent, but the murmur died away into a sigh, was inhaled as so much honey by the pressing lips of the butterfly. He sung to the flower of his love, he the acknowledged rover, the unlicensed drinker of sweets, the economical winner of affections with which he did not share his own. He sung to the flower a story of his love. And, oh, saddest of all, the young flower believed him. And day after day he came to the stolen embrace, and day after day, more fondly than ever, the lovely flower looked forth to receive him. She surrendered her very soul to his keeping, and her pure white leaves grew tinged with his golden ringlets, while his kisses stained with yellow the otherwise delicate loveliness of her lips. But she heeded not this. So long as the embrace was still fervent, the kiss still warm, the return of the butterfly still certain. But when was love certain? Not often where the lover is a butterfly. 
there came a change over the habits of the butterfly. He gradually fell off in his attentions. His passion grew cool, and the ease of his conquest led him to undervalue its acquisition. Every day he came later and later, and his stay with the flower grew more and more shortened on each return. Her feeling perceived the estrangement long before her reason had taught her to think upon or understand it. At length she murmured her reproaches, and the grievance must be great when love will venture so far. Wherefore, she said, oh, wherefore hast thou lingered so long? Why dost thou not now, as before, vie with the sunlight in thy advances? I have looked for thee from the dawning, yet I have looked for thee in vain. The yellow beetle has been all the morning buzzing about me, but I frowned upon his approaches. The green grasshopper had a song under my bush, and told me a dull story of the love which he had for me in his bosom. And more than once the glittering hummingbird has sought my embraces, but I shut my leaves against him. Thou hast been slow to seek me, thou whom I have looked to see. Gaily then the butterfly replied to these reproaches, nor as he spoke heeded the increasing paleness of the flower. Over a thousand forests I've been flying, each as beautiful as this. On a thousand flowers I've been tending, none less lovely to the sight than thou. How couldst thou dream that with a golden ringlet, broad and free and beautiful like mine, in a single spot I still could linger, of the world unknowing aught? No, no, mine is an excursive spirit, for a thousand free affections made. Wouldst thou have me, like groping spiders, working still to girdle in myself?' It was a murmuring and sad reply of the now isolated flower, and lived not long after it had made it. Ah, now I know mine error, having no wings myself to mate with the lover who had. Alas, that I loved so fondly and foolishly, for while thou hast gone over a thousand forests, seeing a thousand flowers, I have only known, only looked, only lived for a single butterfly." The false one was soon away after this to another forest, for his ear loved no reproaches, and he had sense, if not feeling enough, to see that they were uttered justly. The flower noted its departure, and its last sigh was an audible warning to the young bud it left behind it. The wood spirit heard the sigh and the warning, and when the bud began to expand in the pleasant sunshine, he persuaded the black-browed spider to spin his web and frame his nest in the thick bushes that hung around it. And many were the wanton butterflies after this, who, coming to prey upon her innocent affection, became entangled and justly perished in the guardian network thus raised up to protect it. End of Section 8 Read by Janice McNally, Toronto, Canada October 2021